On today's show, the Hawks lose their third straight game in maddening fashion. There is plenty to get to about this particular contest. Jalen Johnson's return, DeAndre Hunter's injury, Trey Young falling short of a historic record, and we'll get into all of that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1618 of the Lothan Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Use promo code Lothan NBA for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. And also, at the top of the podcast, I will encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day here at Locked on Hawks and find us anywhere you get your podcast. Please subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about the podcast. We have a Christmas edition episode that is still very relevant at this point in time. Lots of trade stuff in there and the latest news around the Hawks, etc. And we are here all year round. So if you're a new listener, welcome aboard and uh, please join us moving forward and please subscribe to the podcast. But today's show, we'll dive into what became a pretty maddening result for the Hawks, a 118 to 113 loss up in Chicago. Their third straight defeat, to fall, falling, uh, I should say, this season down to 12 and 18, a pretty, pretty disappointing start for the Hawks in their first 30 games of the season. Lots of stuff to get to in this one. First off, Trey Young was questionable coming into the game with an AC sprain in his shoulder, but while he did play, his historic streak of 30 points in 20, 26 games came to an end at seven. Still ties the all time record, but does not have a new record to speak of at this point. After that, Jalen Johnson returns from a 14 game absence. Uh, nice to see Jalen back. He played pretty well. We'll talk about that more as we get into this game. The Hawks were small betting favorites in this one, about two, two and a half points, according to our friends at FanDuel. But, you know, big picture, it's just kind of more maddening than the actual result. And usually on this podcast, if you're if you're a recurring listener, you will know this. I try to give you some context. I try not to overreact to in sort of small sample size results and try not to get too high, too low, et cetera. That's kind of the name of the game on this podcast. And certainly I'm still doing that now. But it's all compounding a little bit. And I think the sense kind of got to Quinn Snyder in this game. Post-game, Quinn was visibly uh, and pretty clearly more um, frustrated slash flummoxed than he has been at most times after games this season. And in a vacuum, a five-point road loss to the Bulls is not a disaster. It's not a great result, but it's not a disaster because the Bulls are, you know, at, the, at this point in time, they're not awful. It's a road game. All that said, the Hawks were up 12 in the third quarter of this game again. For the third straight time, the Hawks were double digits up in the second half, and they lost all three games. And that kind of compounds on itself. Also had a big run in this game, a 32-10 run in the first half. That kind of put them in control, and uh, ultimately it did not get over the finish line. So as we always do here, we'll sort of start broad, and then we'll dig in as we get going here. And a lot to get into with this game, of course, but I want to leave with the reality that the Hawks just cannot seem to win close games this year. If you've been following this team, you definitely know that. But it isn't a perfect metric, but the NBA has this clutch metric where they basically describe any game – as being within five points or less in the final five minutes of the game of the fourth quarter or of overtime. Of course, overtime of any kind. And the Hawks have played in 19 games that qualify. So 19 of their 30 games this year have had clutch time. That is the most games in the Eastern Conference that have qualified for clutch time and the second most in the entire NBA. So the Hawks have been playing close games all year long. And here's the money stat. They are 6-13 and 13 in those games. And if you want a, a very short explanation as to why the Hawks are 12 and 18, despite having a point differential that's probably closer to a team that should be like 15 and 15 or so, it's that they cannot seem to win a close game. And again, 6-13 in those games is not great. 
and it's been both ends of, the, ends of the floor. I won't do the entire deep dive onto that right now, but they've been below average offensively, but they've been terrible defensively in those in those close situations at the end of games. And part of that it has to be said, it's unsatisfying, I know, but part of that is noise. Part of that is variance, and that's kind of the name of the game, the NBA. Like sometimes you lose close games, it is what it is. But part of that, though, is that the Hawks kind of seem to blow anybody out. And usually a mark of a good team, one of the marks of a good team, is that you get some blowout wins. The Hawks have only had one double-digit win in the last calendar month, and that's not a great sign for you. Uh, they've also blown, again, double-digit leads in the second half of the last three games in a row, which is going to tilt anybody under any circumstances. So if you can't get blowouts on the good side, if you blow leads and you're on, losing, on the losing side of close games, things can snowball, and tonight was another example of all of that. Um, as for the game itself, we'll start with the defense. A 119 or so defensive rating in this game is not great against Chicago. And after the Hawks kind of played fairly well defensively in the first half, they gave up about a 139 defensive rating after halftime to the Bulls. Now, Chicago is not a great offensive team by any means, making that number worse. And I won't play the audio for you. It's a little bit um, disjointed in some respects. But Quinn Snyder opened up his press conference before he took any questions and talked about how poor the Hawks' defense was execution-wise after halftime. He said the Bulls were, quote, on the rim the whole half. And honestly, he was right about that. Um, the numbers say that. The eye test says that. The second-half defense was just not good enough. And, you know, part of defense, of course, is getting stops. Uh, and part of that is also closing possessions by rebounding the basketball. So there are two – that's sort of the broad strokes. There are two spots in this game defensively where the Hawks really struggled. And of course, number one, if you watch this game, it's pretty obvious that it was the, it was the defensive glass and closing possessions. So I talked about the inability to close possessions. And by the way, even when the Hawks did end possessions on the glass, they had a, ter- a handful of terrible turnovers in the backcourt. They quite talked about being just mental mistakes. Also, just the inability to grab loose balls in this game. Not, not, not even necessarily rebounds, just like loose balls. You know, not just, it was maddening. If you want, if you watch this game, you certainly know what I'm saying. The headline number is the Bulls getting 18 offensive rebounds and 24 second chance points. Those numbers are not like ridiculously off the charts, but the percentage basis, because Chicago plays pretty slowly, is where it gets kind of crazy. So they grabbed 41% of their missed shots on the glass in this game to the Bulls. That's about a 95th percentile mark, which is obviously a 5th percentile mark on the defensive glass. That's not what you want. In the second half, this is even crazier, leading to that 139 offensive rating for Chicago, the Bulls secured more than half of their shots that they missed that they got their own they got their own rebounds off of so basically it's all part and parcel you know close possessions it's great to force a miss but you have to end the possession and that was something the Hawks could not do in this game a lot of folks will talk about Andre Drummond having 25 25 rebounds in this game and he did look the the defensive rebounds it kind of doesn't matter that much like who gets defensive rebounds as long as they get them but and and that's 15 of 15 and 25 but Drummond had 10 offensive rebounds in this game by himself, and they were pivotal in this contest. The Hawks did pretty well on first-shot defense. They had a 101 defensive rating in half-court situations when you remove the putbacks. That isn't great, but it's not terrible. Um, but when you cannot get a, re- a rebound defensively, it can kind of snowball on everything. It makes you frustrated when you quit close possessions. When you miss shots on offense, as we'll talk about in a second, that kind of frustrates everybody as well. I'll have to say this. Click Capella's been playing great for the last month. He was really bad in this game. And, you know, that doesn't mean he's a bad player. I know people kind of, you know, always go up and down with Capella. I shared some stats on a recent show. I shared some stats today on Twitter. He's been playing fantastic basketball for four or five weeks now, but tonight he was bad. And that is certainly part of the story. Anika Kongwu cannot box out under Drummond at all. Like Capella, you would hope, would do better against Drummond. 
Um, it, you know, Drum's not a star, but certainly a Kongwu and his defensive rebounding issues. Um, that's about the worst matchup possible for him. And that certainly was the case in this game. And in the 19 minutes that the Hawks were playing without Jalen Johnson at the four, they did not do very well on the glass. And that makes a lot of sense. And honestly, we'll, we'll touch on it more in a second. I was kind of baffled by the Hawks not using the two center lineup at any point in this game. And by the way, they didn't at all in this spot. And I'm surprised by that. Talk about it more in a second, but it, it all kind of spirals. And uh, that was kind of the reason, really the biggest reason, number one on the list, why the Hawks lost this game. They, they could not close possessions defensively. The other one was a little, a little bit smaller, I will say, but still free throw prevention defensively. They allowed 31 free throw attempts in this game, including 19 in the second half. For some context, the league leader this year in offensive free throw attempts is Philadelphia. There was about 27 per game. So that was more than that. And 19 of those in the second half. The Bulls, by the way, were in the bottom five of the NBA this year in free throw, free throw attempts per game at about 20 and a half. So they, they uh, you know, 50% more attempts than they average in this game. And that certainly isn't as big of a deal as the offensive rebounding, but the Bulls didn't shoot it great. And if you told me what the Bulls would shoot in this game and that the Hawks would still give up this kind of bad defense, I would tell you you're crazy. But when you get killed on the glass and you get killed in the free throw game, that's going to bite you. Um, offensively, I'll be a little bit shorter on this particular area because it wasn't awful nor great in this one. Um, this isn't all of it by any means, but I feel like I have to leave with this part. Um, the trio of Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and Bogdan McDonavich, obviously the three most prominent shooters slash shot creators for the Hawks. Obviously, Jalen Johnson getting back in there could be in the mix, but certainly these three guys are the high usage players for the Hawks offensively. The three of them combined to shoot 20 and 53 from the floor and 8 of 34 from 3 in this game. That's 37.7% from the field and 23.5% from 3. It is going to be hard for the Hawks, as they are constructed right now, with this team on the way it leans offensively, etc., to win very many games with the, with the three of those guys doing that. And obviously, there were other context reasons, and I, there's a reason why I, I love the defense. That was more important. But the Hawks still could have won this game if they made shots, and they didn't, because the three of their, their, their big three guys just didn't have it in this spot, and that, that definitely... Combine that and look, and Quinn kept coming back to it too. Basically, the when you don't make shots mantra, like the Hawks need to make shots. And it's sort of an unfortunate reality of this team right now that they are reliant on scoring and scoring and scoring in bunches. And a lot of that is shot making, and they just didn't make shots in this game. We'll touch on it, but the Hawks had a terrible first quarter offensively, and they actually were pretty good after that on offense. End up with a 115 offensive rating, which is not awful, but certainly below average for the Hawks. Um, they shot 20, 20% from three in this game as a team. Also, they were minus six in the turnover margin. So on top, on top of everything else, they committed 16 turnovers and only created 10. Bad stuff there. Ironically, the Hawks actually did very well on the offensive glass. In this game, they had 21 second chance points. And usually that would be enough to win that category handily, but they actually lost that category in this game because the Bulls got so many on their own right. But when you take three fewer shots from the field than your opponent and 10 fewer shots from the free throw line than your opponent – you are unlikely to win, and that, that's what happened in this game. So we'll get into all of sort of what transpired, the nuts and bolts of this one. We'll sort of unpack it all. But the combination of poor shooting slash offense from your three best offensive players, and I would say more crucially, the inability to get stops, and especially the inability to close possessions on the defensive glass, was the combination that kind of beat the Hawks in this one. And uh, again, a loss by five on the road in Chicago in and of itself isn't a disaster, but when you compound it with everything else, it's the 30th game of the season. I can certainly understand the frustration. I watched it. I had to send that same reaction everybody else did. So um, there you go. And we'll have more on this coming up in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. 
Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors and our partners, eBay Motors, who team up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy basketball picks each week, all season long. Whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, each week we're going to be providing you with some players that are guaranteed to fit on your fantasy basketball roster. So let's see right now who Josh has picked out for us on this week's edition of eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And as always with Josh, there's a full list of guys to highlight. We're going to focus this time on Mavs guard Dante Exum. Mavs coach Jason Kidd actually recently said that even when healthy 100%, the Mavs are going to plan on starting Dante Exum, which is a hugely great story. Exum's been out of the league for a while, came all the way back after being a big-time lottery pick, et cetera. He's shooting 43% from three this year. And while Josh indicates, and I agree with this, by the way, that that's probably going to regress a little bit, there's a lot of potential value in the major role that he has now been playing for quite some time. In December, he's averaging 31 minutes a game, putting up almost 16 points a game, Four rebounds, four assists, one steal. Not going to be a huge, huge, huge offensive volume guy in the Mavs offense when it comes to taking a ton of shots. He checks a lot of boxes, good athlete. Great story again as a comeback guy this year to the league, and the Mavs clearly trust him, so keep that on the radar for fantasy basketball purposes. And again, Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you out with winning your championships all year long in fantasy basketball. And eBay Motors knows a lot about championship teams and really the fact that each player is a perfect fit for your roster. It's the same for your vehicle. I'm on the road a ton for work, going to hospital all over the place. And there have been times across the board when I've actually needed upgrades for my car or even just to fix a part or two to keep things running and on track. eBay Motors is the best possible place to do all of that with over 122 million car parts. For your number one ride, you can make sure your car or truck can stay running smoothly. That's also the case for the SUV that I know I am driving. They have brake kits, they have LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your vehicle happens to need, eBay Motors is going to have it for you. And they have eBay's guaranteed fit. So that means that you're guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you are burning rubber and not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com. That is ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we'll dig in now to what transpired in this one. And uh, ironically, Jalen Johnson, coming back again from a 14-game absence, had the first two buckets of the game and missed one. One on offensive rebound, one a nice pass by Troy Young, and uh, also looked very lively defensively in the first quarter. A pretty quick reminder, if you if you needed it, you probably didn't need it if you listen to this podcast, but no one on the team does what he can do when it comes to the combination of size and burst and ranginess, athleticism, et cetera. And that was very evident right away in this contest. But unfortunately, the Hawks had a slow start offensively besides that. Actually, there were the, the, those two buckets from Jalen were the only baskets the Hawks had the first four minutes. They scored, actually, they were uh, very short off offensively. They actually opened this game three or from the floor and uh, really, really were pressing on offense. Um, rotationally, Jalen played shorter stints in this one. No surprise there. Not a defined restriction of minutes, but Snyder came out pretty quickly after the, sorry, before the game. Thoughts about the fact that like Jalen's going to not be probably all the way up to his normal workload, which makes sense after I know it was a wrist injury, but usually, you know, game shape and being in shape are different things. So uh, I'm sure he'll be back and up to like the mid thirties pretty soon, but uh make some sense to sort of ease him in a little bit. Uh, Bogey came in as usual. Unfortunately, Seth Lundy was in the rotation in this game, the second straight game, but he played about 70 seconds before he actually suffered an injury. He slipped and went down in a heap and the Hawks, Pretty quickly after, uh, during the game, called it a left ankle sprain and ruled him out for the game. TBD on how bad that is, obviously, but unfortunate for Seth, who is just trying to find his footing right now, his second rotation minutes, really, and again, as many days, and I'm, I'm a huge fan. So hopefully he's back and uh, healthy in no time. Um, the Hawks actually played 11 guys in this game. Obviously, with Lundy being 11, it was really 10 because Lundy didn't play after that, but they played both Matthews, Wes and Garrison, plus Trent Forrest in both halves. So a little bit deeper than usual um, in this spot. And again, 
I didn't like it at all. The Hawks did not play the two centers at all together, but that was the case in this one. Um, I mentioned it before. I'll just put some numbers on this now. The first quarter was probably, I would say, one of the worst three or four offensive quarters of the whole season for the Hawks. They've, of course, been awesome offensively for the most part this year. But in the first quarter tonight, they had 17 points on 25 possessions. That's a 68 offensive rating. They were 4 of 10 on twos, 3 of 14 on threes, no free throw attempts, and six turnovers. That is horrendous stuff. And often, even with the eye test, it was not good. So defensively, they actually played pretty well early on in this game, but uh, that was kind of an ugly start. Now, from there, they picked it up. A 32-10 run extended. Obviously, took a while to get there to go from basically down by double digits early to being up by 12 in the middle of the second quarter. DeJounte had it going a little bit for the Hawks, got to the line a couple times, Traded it, hit a deep three. Capella actually had, a, had his better set of the night, actually, in the second quarter, I thought. Um, they didn't close particularly well in the first half, but we're still up by six at halftime. And they shot uh, – actually, they had, they had a 160 or so offensive rating in the second quarter, which is pretty crazy after the ugliness of the first quarter. Um, after halftime, a lot more to get into here. They were actually up 12 again early in the third. As I, as I discussed earlier, they were up double digits in the second half of this game. But then once Chicago got, kind of got back, got back into it, it was really close the rest of the way. DeRozan got going. He had eight points quickly in the second half. Ended up 19 after halftime. Um, Quinn actually won a challenge on what on a foul. On a, sorry, I guess a non-foul by Wes Matthews. Um, and Jalen had a huge tip dunk late in the third quarter. But the Hawks were actually down at one point in the third quarter and they got back up up, up by two points. But the Bulls allowed. Sorry, the Bulls scored 33 points on a really slow possessions in the third quarter, and uh, the lead was gone and never to return. Basically. Um, it was back and forth for the first five plus minutes of the fourth quarter. It was it was within three either way, either Hawks up three or less, or Bulls up three or less for almost half the quarter. And then the Hawks did come out of the out of timeout down, down by four mid quarter with their best five players in my opinion, which is Trey, Bogey, Murray, Jalen, and Capella. It didn't last long. Bogey's defense, man, was really rough in this one. They went to Bay. Um, I think it was probably better than Bogey on the whole. And Trey only sat for about thirty seconds in the fourth quarter. Um, I'll stop here to say this one more time now before I forget. I, I cannot honestly believe. I'm pretty surprised that the Hawks did not try Capella and Okongwu in this game. It's not a panacea. I'm not saying it is. But the Hawks have had easily their best defensive numbers in the last month when they've had those guys play together. Now, their offense does take a hit. It does. But the results have been pretty good. And I think in this game in particular, when it was evident the Hawks could not get a stop and they couldn't get a rebound, the best way to kind of combat that might be to go a little bit bigger. And that they just never did it in this game. So I was surprised by that. I don't think Quinn is, you know, people say some crazy stuff about Quinn. I don't, I don't think Quinn is a bad coach or anything like that. I, I don't, I don't like that. I didn't like that move at all. And there you go. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll fix that going into Friday. Um, I won't do the entire play by play now for you, but um, I thought Sadiq actually had a huge offensive rebound to get a bucket up to get the Hawks back within one with about three minutes to go. But then DeRozan kind of got loose a couple different times. He beat Jalen off and off of an uh, out of bounds play for a pretty smooth jump shot. Um, after that. They had a good look at a tying three and missed it. Just another sign of the times for the Hawks in this game. Um, DeJounte actually had a nice bucket over over Caruso to cut it back to one. But then DeRozan had no jump shot, as he was wanting to do. Then Murray had a charge that was ill-timed with the Hawks down by three with about a minute and a half to go. They got a stop on the next possession because Kobe White missed open three. But unfortunately, um, Jalen turned the ball over in the backcourt, which I think is probably in Quinn's mind because the Hawks got a stop and then Jalen threw the ball away. It was a great play by, by Caruso, I have to say. I like Alex Caruso quite a bit. Um, sort of mad scramble there. They actually got a stop at the end of that because Capella blocked his shot at the rim. And then Trey drew a foul with about a minute a minute to go, maybe a little bit less than that, but missed one of the free throws. So the Hawks were only still down by two points. And then DeRozan, probably the biggest shot of the game, 
a slow possession, but he kind of just beat Jalen patiently, veteran-wise, just like a typical DeMar DeRozan possession. Got by Jalen. Nobody helped quick, quickly enough, and he made the shot to go up by four with about 30 seconds to go. And it wasn't over at that point in time, but you're obviously in a huge hole. It was a timeout, and this is the other thing that I would just say. It's obviously not as impactful necessarily, but I, I didn't understand Quinn not having bogey on the court. You come out of a timeout that you called down four, and bogey has to be on the court there. I know it wasn't great in this game, but it was bizarre, just a strange substitution, because he came in after that. I just don't know what was going on there. But anyway, Trey took a, a quick, deep three that he missed. I'm not sure it would have changed the play if bogey was out there. I have to say that out loud, but just it's a weird process. But once Trey missed that shot, they had to foul. It was essentially over at that point in time. Bogey had a three that looked like it was a three anyway. It wasn't. And because it was ruled a two, they were kind of drawing dead and uh, eased to the five-point loss in the end. So <laughs> obviously a lot to get to, and we talked about a lot of it earlier. But in the fourth quarter, you know, the process offensively was not just horrendous, but again, the combination of Trey not really having it in this game as a scorer. DeJounte had moments, but wasn't great. Bogey was cold in this one, even though he was plus three in the game. Um, when those three guys don't really have an offense, they don't really have a lot of plan offensively at the end of the games, and then they, they just couldn't stop DeRozan. I mean, I don't, don't want to make it too simple, but Jalen did a pretty good job defensively in this game, but I think he gets DeRozan one-on-one. DeRozan's just a, a very wily veteran player, and he's really good in those situations, and he made a bunch of big shots. And honestly, he just outplayed Trey and DeJounte and Bogey at the end of the game. He just did. So DeRozan was the best player on the floor in the fourth quarter, and that was one of the reasons why the Hawks lost this game. So anyway, we'll leave it there for now. We'll have more on the player stuff in a moment, and I promise there's a lot to get to on the player stuff. Before we get to all of that stuff on this podcast, it were from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You should never worry about buying tickets to a big event. With Game Time, you do not have to worry about buying those tickets to that big event because they have last-minute deals on football and basketball, baseball, hockey, concerts, comedy, theater, and much more. It's so easy to navigate the Game Time app. It really is a fantastic experience. And you can find and buy tickets to any event in your area. They've also been obsessing for a long time about finding ways to help you save money on your tickets. They have zone deals for an average savings of 18%. And at Game Time, you can actually see the view from the seats in the venue that you're looking for. It helps you to know exactly what you should be expecting when you arrive at that venue. They also have all-in pricing at Game Time. You can actually know your total upfront with any of the hidden fees some other places happen to have. That's always fantastic to save some money there. And you guys also have peace of mind with Game Time. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always, always, always get the best possible price with Game Time. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets by using the Game Time app right now. Download the app. It's the Game Time app. Create an account. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account with the Game Time app. We do the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app right now today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Because this game was pretty fascinating in an unfortunate way for the Hawks, I didn't want to lead with this, but there was a pretty crucial injury update that was not having to do with this game, but was coming coming down before it. So before we get to the actual player stuff in this contest, DeAndre Hunter is going to be out for a while. Uh, and I, I wrote about this a little bit on my Patreon, which, by the way, you should be reading my Patreon work, patreon.com slash btroland. But um, over the weekend, the Hawks announced, actually on Christmas, the Hunter's going to be ha- having a non-surgical procedure in his right knee, Often that's a PRP injection, but the Hawks did not specify that. He had missed five of the last eight games before that with a with the, with that right knee soreness. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks, and as always, reevaluation does not mean return, so it's going to be a while. I would not expect a clean two-week return for DeAndre Hunter, if I had to guess. It's also a knee that's given him problems before, so there's extra incentive to be a little bit cautious here for the Hawks. 
if you if you remember, Hunter was out for more than half of the season when the Hawks made the conference finals run. He had missed some time in the playoffs. He had another procedure. Actually, had two procedures on that knee within a few sort of within a few months during that season. So he's been pretty clean, knock on wood, with that knee since then. But still, it's a real loss for the Hawks. And I know, kind of, no matter what you think about Hunter, I know some people don't like Hunter at all. Some people, whatever. I'm not saying he's a game changer or he's a star because he's not. He, he's absolutely not those things at this point in time in year five. But they do miss his defense when he's not there. Um, partly because of who they, ha- who they have to replace him with. I did this whole riff on the Christmas podcast, but um, when they're operating without DeJounte, sorry, without DeAndre and Jalen, it's absolutely dire. When you have one of those guys, it's not so bad, but you know, Jalen just got back and let's just say they're what the Hawks are at their best defensively when they can have both of those forwards available. So he isn't like a terrific individual defender, but he's a competent team defender for sure. Has good size, et cetera. It's a real loss defensively. And even on offense, they miss his shooting. He's shooting he shoot 40% from three this year. And Hunter's, I think, kind of bought in to taking more threes than he ever has. It's not like a fantastic output, but I think he has gotten incrementally better at buying in the system, all that stuff. So I think he's been playing some of his best basketball over the last five years this season. Again, kind of a low bar. He's not been a great player, but he is doing more of what the Hawks are asking him to do on offense, and he is a valuable defensive player. So the return of Jalen is going to help, of course, as we already saw tonight in a lot of ways. But as discussed on Christmas – the real disaster is when they're both out at the same time, and this is another spot where they're just missing a key player. And DeAndre Hunter is one of their top seven guys. And, like, you're missing a guy like that. And on this team with defense and all that, it's just a notable loss. And it makes you smaller. It makes you worse defensively. It means more minutes for guys that you don't want to play, honestly. I mean, whether it's Garrison Matthews or Wes Matthews or Seth Lundy, who is now hurt, of course, who's, again, I love Seth Lundy, but he's still a rookie, or Kobe Bufkin or Trent Forrest. Hunter being out means more minutes for guys that you don't want to play. And that's kind of the simple version. Even if you don't love Hunter, he's better than those guys. And that's a loss for the Hawks. Okay. From there, let's talk about tonight's game. Um, not a ton of positivity, I have to say, about this one. Again, 11 guys played. Lundy played one minute, so whatever there. Trent Forrest actually played pretty well, I thought, in four minutes of a clock time. Didn't have a stat in this game, which is kind of funny. But gave him good defense. Play, it was actually plus four in his minutes. Um, obviously not a huge fanfare thing there, but I thought he played reasonably well. Um, Garris Matthews made, made both of the shots, six points in 13 minutes, just kind of low volume. And then defensively, he had three fouls and was a little bit exploited. It helps when he makes shots, but Garrison is still overstretched, I think, in the role that Hawks have had to play him in recently. Wes Matthews did not score in six minutes. Not super valuable, obviously. I think I actually would be curious to know what the plan was, and we'll never probably know from the Hawks. They don't like to share this stuff after the fact. I don't think the Hawks were going to play both Garrison and Wes in this game if the Lundy injury didn't happen. So I don't know who he's going to play over if he was, and obviously he's he's hurt now for however long. But um, yeah, I'm, cur- I'm curious about that. Anyway, Akongwu, 11 points, six rebounds, and a steal in 21 minutes. He got mauled by Drummond in the way that both centers did in this game. I thought Akongwu was okay um, besides that. Um, played reasonably well in, on offense, I thought, in this game. Gave him some nice minutes. Um, Bogey had 22 points. Actually was a game-best plus three for the Hawks. But uh, took 22 shots to get there. 21 field, goal, 21 field goal attempts, I should say, and three shots at the line. He was five of nine on twos, which is actually pretty good, but three of 12 on threes. And uh, actually, Bogey has now been kind of in a cold snap. So after he had been unconscious for several weeks, it felt like. The uh, last five halves for Bogey. So the second half against Miami, the game against Memphis, and the game tonight, he's a combined five of 29 from three. So he, some regression was going to be in the works, but it's come crashing down for Bogey a little bit. Uh, just to be clear, 
Bogey's a guy you don't worry about as a shooter, but obviously it would have been nice if he had made some shots in the last five halves, and he hasn't, so there you go. Um, to the starters in this game, all five guys started, started scoring double figures in this one. We'll start with Jalen because he was in his return game. 29 minutes, 10 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. Lots of flash plays from Jalen. I think he had a couple moments where he was not great defensively in this one, um, but a couple of also fantastic like game-changing moments defensively too, especially in the first quarter when he was fresh. Um, he, he helps in the glass. Obviously, he's a great short roll threat. Four assists pretty, was pretty evident of that. A couple of great finishes around the rim. All the flashes were there. I don't, think was, I don't think it was his best game, but obviously he hasn't played in a long time. He has 14 games. And the big thing, above all, Honestly, big picture of this season, especially and going into the future, is that Jalen's back, and that's a that's a very encouraging thing because he unlocks a lot of stuff for this Hawks team. Um, Sadiq Bay, thirteen points, eight rebounds, had a steal, um, was three of four on twos, two six on threes. I thought he gave him some decent minutes. I think defensively, it's always an adventure with Sadiq, no question about that. Um, also, he's been really shooting the ball poorly from three. He wasn't so bad in this game. He actually missed his first three, made two of his last three. But uh, last nine games for Sadiq, he's 15 of 60. Yikes. Uh, so he's a guy that, like, I don't worry about missing shots because I think he's a pretty good shooter. But if he doesn't make threes, he is limited in terms of what he can give you. And that's been kind of evident in my mind in the last you know, couple of weeks. Um, Capella, I mentioned before, but he was really bad in this game. Um, I'm obviously someone who thinks Capella's pretty good. Uh, but in this game, he was not. 13 points, yes. Um, five rebounds. Uh, five nine from the floor, three four from three. Sorry, from, from the free throw line, actually not from three. Uh, had a block and a couple of uh, shot altering plays at the rim. I think you know rim protection wise, he's actually fine in this game. It was the rebounding, it was the physicality, a couple of bad, a couple of bad finishes. Um, again, I don't want to beat it over the head, but Capella had been playing really, really well for about a month, and then tonight he was not. So no reason to like write him off. I saw a lot of people like, oh, he's terrible. I'm like, okay, uh, he's not, but he was not good in this game. Flat out. Bad game for Clint, worst game in a long time, and uh, a bad time for that. And then the backcourt. Train DeJounte, I talked about the numbers earlier, shooting-wise, but DeJounte was four of six on two, but only two of nine from three. 17 points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block. I think he was actually pretty decent defensively at times at the point of attack in this one on Kobe White, etc. But I thought DeJounte offensively cooled off like a lot of guys did in the second half of this game. And then Trey, the streak is over. That's unfortunate. By the way, it just has to be said, though. It, this is an all-time ridiculous run from Trey Young in a good way. To tie an all-time NBA record held by Oscar Robertson is not a small thing. So seven games in a row of 30 and 10. He didn't get to eight. Ends up with 21 points, 13 assists in this game. A lot of great passes, as he always does. But he was only um, 3 of 13 from three in this one. And he was kind of forcing a little bit at times. I don't think he played very well by his standards. But even then, with the passing, it was crazy. And uh, he's been playing great. So Trey's an all-star at this moment in time. I think there's no question about that in my mind. But if he or Bogey or DeJounte had a better game, maybe they steal this one. But um, in the end, as I said before, I'll say it one more time. The game was really lost to me on the defensive end of the floor and on the defensive glass. It's just that if they they could have overcome it, potentially. And Quick kind of talked about that a little bit. He didn't say it as explicitly as I am. Uh, he talked about just missing shots. And yeah, the Hawks need to shoot better than they did in this game on the whole. But um, the big three were, however you want to say that, on, on the perimeter, shot creation-wise. All being bad on the same night is tough for the Hawks, especially when they can't get stopped. So from here, uh, it's not dire. Like, the season's not over. I think the Hawks are better than they have been so far. But uh, it's still a situation where, like, I can't – I'm not, I'm not going to try to sell you on this team being great or that this team is playing well because they're not. I think they're playing better than that, than, than 12 and 18 would indicate. But even then, they're playing like a 15 and 15 team which isn't where they want to be. So uh, there's not really a, a, an optimistic slant there at this point in time. So 
from here. The Hawks play again on Friday, so they have two days off. TBD on whether they'll practice both days, but they'll be back in Atlanta, um, presumably by the time you listen to this podcast, probably on Wednesday morning. Um, and they host the Kings on Friday in a game where the Kings are playing really good basketball. So um, that's not going to be an easy matchup at all, even at home. The Kings are you know not like fantastic, but they are good. And they are a playoff team right now in the West. They're playing as a record spot. They're actually playing in Portland. So TBD on their record. But we'll have more on that game later on this week, of course. And uh, I want to encourage you, as I always do, but I'll do it right now, to subscribe to this podcast. If you made it to the end of this podcast, especially on a night where the Hawks were uh, losing in this fashion, you are probably a diehard. And I appreciate you listening to the show. So please, please, please share it with a friend or two or family members, et cetera. That'd be huge. And please subscribe on Apple, Spotify. We're also on YouTube. We're also on Google Podcasts, et cetera. We're all over the place, video, audio. And if we're not somewhere that you want us to be, let me know that. I will do my best to get it fixed for you. Follow the show on Twitter, slash, uh, slash X, I should say, at Locked on Hawks. Follow me there at BT Roland. Follow my Patreon work as well. All my written stuff on the Hawks is at patreon.com slash BT Roland. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Happy holidays, everybody. And we'll have more coming up later on this week. So stay tuned. And we'll see you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.